Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. My name is Raina Searles and I'm the Marketing Manager at Fringe Arts. In the wake of the global coronavirus pandemic, many of us, especially those in arts organizations, have had to reflect on ways to do our work despite dramatic social disruptions. One thing Fringe Arts is excited to continue doing is connecting our artists and community partners with all of you listening through this podcast. We're diving into how artists are responding to the pandemic, the intersection between art and public health, and how community partners are working to meet the specific needs of their constituents. You can learn more about what we're doing at Fringe Arts by visiting fringearts.com backslash COVID-19. And as always, enjoy our conversations with some of the most imaginative people on this plane of existence. Hi, everyone. This is Zach Blackwood, uh, an artistic producer at Fringe Arts. Uh, welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe again. Uh, today, we're talking to Hugh and Kevin of Real Deep Radio. These two met at Kenyon College and bonded over their passion for music. What started as a casual outlet to share music with friends has become a show today featuring different guests from music industry backgrounds. We're super excited to talk to you both about kind of what you've got going on. Uh, the community you're building around, you know, really cool appointment listening in 2020. Um, but before we can get into any of that, I have to know what you're drinking this happy hour. Uh, well, I am drinking an iced turmeric tea um, with some honey and lemon that weirdly uh, tastes exactly like yellow Gatorade. Oh, wow. Well, and that yeah. was your plan B beverage, right? It was, yeah, but I realized I was just drinking water before that. Who did you replace, uh, you know, to stunt on us? Uh, just water. So, you know, okay. I had to do something interesting. <laughs> well, now, there's nothing wrong with just drinking water. Uh, as it so happens, I'm drinking water, but it is out of a special Girl Scout glass. So... It's fancy. It's important to note, <laughs> for sure. The vessel makes the drink. It's water and it's a representation. Um, and Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I've got a, uh, I've, I'm drinking some mint medley tea, um, Bigelow, and it's out of a plain white mug. It used to like have some kind of branding on it, but it's all chipped off. So it's just like a plain white mug. Blank slate. Yeah, staying hydrated. Awesome. I don't mean to sound like, um, an heiress to a mysterious fortune, but I'm actually having um, a cherry blossom milkshake. That is a mysterious fortune. Yeah, I, I, I feel actually kind of like a jerk because uh, it's really great. Um, but no, I was just I was in meetings all day today, and I did, I had an idea about making myself a BLT, and then I didn't have time to make a BLT, so then I panicked. Uh, during our staff meeting, uh, Raina, that's why I wasn't on video. Um, because oh, I, was, I wasn't on video halfway through that because my phone just died. <laughs> I was getting French fries and a milkshake. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> there's, it's so good. Um, speaking of so good, uh, I've been having a really good time listening to Real Deep Radio. I especially liked the uh, whole lot of labels out there <laughs> episode. <laughs> That was very, very fun. Um, but I'd love to just kind of catch up our listeners here who might not have, uh, you know, done their homework. Uh, what is Real Deep Radio? And can you tell us a little bit about the history of it and maybe what it is today? Yeah, I, I uh, started it back in 
March. Um, just I, I've been trying to do some writing about music. I usually just kind of send really long emails to all my friends um, and wanted sort of a better way to do that. So I was trying to think like of starting a podcast or a, uh, you know, doing some kind of like DJ set and just recording it and throwing it on SoundCloud. But uh, it felt more useful to do something live, mostly because I just think that things that aren't live are easier to ignore. Um, so I just sort of, sort of started poking around and set up this Mixler account. Um, and I started with just a free trial and I realized I got like 12 hours a day worth of uh, broadcast time and was only using, you know, one or two hours once a week. So I just started offering it to friends. And once we uh, had enough interest, we started pitching in on Venmo to uh, pay for it. Um, so we have, uh, I'd say, a good handful of people who get on every week. And then, yeah, we've had various uh, guests come on just once or twice uh, and have kind of gone from there. Right now, mostly people are playing music, but we're sort of hoping to expand to, I don't know, other formats, do kind of readings or things like that. I think Hugh has some of that cooking up. Yeah, I'm definitely in the process of trying to solicit a variety of like different kind of programming. Um, but yeah, like Kevin was saying, he he sort of started out. It's just it's interesting to me how kind of organically this has evolved because I think really uh, it sort of started as a means of just uh, like Kevin said, just sharing sharing music in a, a sort of more immediate way. Um, but also during quarantine, it's like a nice, uh, slightly more personal means of connection, I feel like, um, which is a thing I, I'm not sure we necessarily anticipated. Absolutely. I think um, just being able to, to, I guess, yeah, share things in a way and, and to kind of be able to communicate with people as they're listening um, has been really useful and sort of a different way of doing it than, uh, I don't know, Zoom calls or group chats or things like that. Yeah, I feel like the, the the video fatigue these days is very real, and there's something actually really nice of just having having sometimes familiar, sometimes not so familiar voices just sort of broadcasted into your home. At sort of, you know, we're sort of working with an open format right now, so there are some weekly programming going on uh, at regular times, but um, we've been sort of intentionally trying to keep it loose because uh, as people who have done radio before. I think we've both experienced the way like a, a weekly appointment can become a chore, both for the producer and the listener sometimes. Um, and this sort of looser format has let us, you know, keep it open, be adaptive to ideas that people are reaching out to us with. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been very exciting. Yeah. It's really cool. And I like how kind of mixed it is from like day to day and what's going on. Um, there does seem to be kind of like an overarching culture of care around the hosting process at Real Deep Radio. Um, can you talk a little bit about what makes a really good radio host and kind of what, what you're looking for, uh, not just in terms of programming, but in terms of like the steward for all of that stuff for you? It's a great question. I, I mean, in general, I think the, the thing that unites us and the thing that has like definitely that I've seen in, in other people who've been interested in doing programming is just like a real passion about the music that they want to share. Um, I think particularly right now under quarantine, I mean, the music industry, like all, all live art 
and and honestly like art in general is really under threat right now um just in terms of like not being able to gather not being able to collaborate in the same ways um uh, and this has been a, a nice way to sort of uh, boost and promote musicians that we love and care about, labels that we love and care about that have like really given us a lot of great stuff over the years. Um, you know, um, the other week, um, I believe it was like the first Friday of May, and for the next few first Fridays of each month, uh, Bandcamp, which is sort of like the the best platform for uh, directly supporting artists, I think, out there. It's certainly the widest one available. Um, they've been waiving their revenue fees. Uh, they usually take like a small fee from every sale from the artist or label uh, just to cover their operating costs, but they've been waiving those every first Friday of the month for the last two months and are going to continue doing that. Um, so just this past uh, Friday. What day is it? God, who knows? Um, that 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 past first of the month, whenever it was, uh, we we did a big blocks of programming, uh, playing only stuff that was available on Bandcamp, sending out the links to everything, just trying to get the word out, um, either about the artists that we went to, or just make sure people are aware that now is a good time to be supporting your artists. So many artists just support themselves through touring. And who knows when that can go back to normal. So, uh, so yeah, I think it's really time to step up, think about your listening habits and, uh, try and support the artists that, uh, you care about the most. Completely. Um, if I could add, like, uh, I wrote down this quote from uh, Rolling Stone. They had an article about, uh, about like how 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 the uh, music industry is really searching to make like hits out of these very big like uh, happy songs. Um, and there is a quote from this director of advertising. He said, "The brands are searching for songs of togetherness. We're there for you, supporting all the frontline people." And I think like like you said about sort of a culture of care. I think that uh i know both doing a show and listening to my friends shows has been uh such a source of comfort but it is you know a much more interesting and uh unpredictable and i don't know like kind of subversive source of comfort than you know spotify's like relaxing spa lounge playlist that is just kind of used to sell advertising um so that I think has been a very cool, like I wasn't expecting it to be the source of comfort that it has been, but doing radio and listening to radio has been that for me. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I would love to kind of jump back. Cause I know you talked about how you were thinking about what medium specifically to use, whether, uh, you know, podcasts or a DJ set or something else. And so I am kind of curious with the live aspect and with using radio as your medium specifically, um, what is it about radio that stands out to you the most uh, besides just the live aspect? Because I know both of you also have a background in radio. Like what draws you to that medium? It's difficult to say. I mean, I think I think the, the live aspect of it can't be can't be undersold, but yeah, it, it really is just like a matter for me, I guess, of uh, not necessarily feeling like it's 
you know, I'm someone who loves music, listens to music a lot, is always reading about music. So I always have like a lot of pent up excitement, I feel like about whatever I've been uh, absorbing music wise lately. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just aren't interested in that. I think over the years, I've definitely sort of like tempered the uh, impulses I have to just like spout off because nobody really wants to hear that. Uh, so there is a way in which like radio has been a great medium to do that in a sort of unabashed way. Yeah, that just <laughs> that, that feels true for me personally. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. And I think the uh, the kind of work that you get to do on it feels different. I think, you know, again, because it's live, you can't uh, sort of the the time you spend on it just feels very different. Like it, you can't reach for any kind of perfection you can't sit there like when you're working on writing and tinker with five words for an hour like you just kind of have to go um and I think that's really useful for me because it feels uh it feels a lot more like I'm just sharing things with people I love than uh than I'm trying to create some big perfect thing every night I think like as a listener like I, I feel like differently present in listening to radio like there's this exchange of generosity between like listener and like DJ that's very much like, okay, uh, I have no control over this environment, this like sonic environment that I'm placing myself in. Like I'm agreeing to trust this person to give them my attention. And then what they're giving me back is like an experience that I have very limited kind of control over. I can turn it on or I can turn it off. I can't really look to what's ahead. I can't really like decide to skip a song if it's not my favorite thing midway through. And it helps you to like see things from that person's musical perspective differently. Um, I don't know. That's what's exciting about it to me is just like a dweeb. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And I think, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's really funny that that is such a rare thing in the state, but like just the amount of control we wield over our lives and like our consumption of media is, uh, is, is pretty wild these days. And, and I think people really value that control, but I think you do lose something in, uh, yeah, sort of refusing to, to ever cede that control, I guess. Um, and another thing that I was thinking is um, that, that Real Deep Radio has sort of reminded me of is I think for, for me, and, and I, I feel like, Kevin, you could probably speak to this too, um, because we met uh, doing radio at college and also working on the sort of executive board of our school student-run radio station. Um, and radio, for me, has always really engendered a sense of community, I guess, um, because like that station, um, I don't know, I really loved my time there. And we were really a tight-knit group, I feel like. Um, and it was always a very dynamic crew. There was definitely a core of producers who were really... Uh, excited to excited to do things excited to do new programming on the station and then there were always new djs coming in with every new class um and that like new energy coming in was always very exciting and i think i experienced that again um a few years back when i was doing radio here in philly with philly cam um and that is a really lovely station uh, with some really amazing producers and programmers uh and yeah, the community there is really strong too. Um, and yeah, maybe it's just rallying around a dying medium <laughs> that uh, engenders that sense of community. Um, but I think we're starting to discover that too with Real Deep Radio, both with like listener and producer engagement. 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't know like half the other producers on there probably personally, and I don't know a lot of the people who listen, but I feel like I've uh, struck up internet friendships with several of them. So yeah, it, it really is just like, I don't know. I think it's been very cool. And I think you get to learn a lot about people very quickly, just listening to the the things they pick and the way they talk about the things they pick to play. Um, I'm really excited to start seeing people do more uh, or like less music focused shows too, uh, just to see sort of what happens with that. What kinds of shows are you looking to add to the docket? We're, we're open to really anything that, uh, you know, is leveraging the format well. And uh, yeah, I, I, I personally feel very open to anyone who wants to bring who, who has an idea and is excited to bring it to the air. Um, I, I know I've personally reached out to some friends who do a lot of like sound artwork, um, other like multidisciplinary artists who are interested in maybe trying to organize like a, like a reading series or something. Um, yeah. Uh, it's really, I mean, audio is a, is a really limitless kind of medium. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and there's definitely, there's so many things that I will not think of in terms of programming. I would love to get like a comedy show on there. I think that would be very fun, but I'm not funny. So kind of uh, <laughs> loving that out in the universe. <laughs> I mean, not to um, pitch you here while you're captive, but I've been working on a great project recently where I'm just making alt text for um, like really specific weird memes I find on the internet. <laughs> I'd be happy to image describe some memes for you, um, maybe as a one-off. Yes. <laughs> Why not? Zach, I'm curious, do you have a meme at the ready that you could describe for us right now? No. It's, it describes a lot more kind of prep and context than that. Because I do think, well, this is interesting. I, I'm going to go off on the medium tangent. Do we consent? Please, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, so I feel like the thing with like memes is it's an extremely um, like culturally specific, like deeply topical, deeply like reflexive and responsive form of language and communication that is completely like inaccessible uh, outside of like visual uh, consumption. Um, that like, it's very hard to like describe a meme accurately while also describing like the the references that are implicit within it and like what understanding it relies on from its viewer. So it's actually been like my main practice is like in writing poetry and it's actually felt like a deeply poetic process trying to describe things in order of operations, both in terms of thinking, but also in order of like comedic effect with regard to like the way that a meme works and like the way that our um, eyes and brains digest them. Damn, I love that. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Let's get this on air. I would give you a like. Please, we need your show. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff we're looking for. Let's 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 crack open the medium, and the and and the memes. But yeah, and I also think that like audio comedy has been like such a lovely place for me because. In so many ways, it feels like comedy itself has gotten much more like visual and self-referential. Um, so to see this kind of grand return to like radio as the medium, which kind of started, not started, uh, 
like that's been going on with like the podcast boom for a long time but i really love nympho wars right now it's like my favorite podcast mm. um and they do little radio plays which i'm obsessed with and then also mm-hmm. the national lampoon radio hour mm-hmm. uh, has been like relaunched with so many great people working within it so I don't know. I would love to hear about any kind of comedy show that y'all are doing because I just trust that it will be like rigorously considered and, and take into account the audience and the exchange between people. And that's why you're so cool. Well, shucks. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. We don't have any comedy stuff in the docket right now, but we're definitely thinking about it and, and eager uh, for people to approach us with ideas. I think what, what's been really fun, uh, and interesting, I think, for me, with the sort of solicitation of programming processes, like everything about this, it's been it feels very organic um, in that it's it's just this sort of dominoing effect of like I reached out to a handful of people who got excited, did a broadcast or two, and suddenly they were like, "Hey, my friend is interested." Like it's just a really gradual, natural, growing network, um, which has been really great to see and and really sort of put into like uh, really made it kind of clear the way like quarantine is is sort of reframing ideas of community uh, just in the sense that it's no longer bound by geography. Um, that has been really fascinating to me to, to just sort of experience. Yeah, I think one thing that I found really interesting about, uh, I, I won't say the pandemic, but rather the stay at home orders is that so many of our usual forms of communication are uh, out of use, um, but there's also a lot of uh, things that were supposedly dying that are now resurging. Um, and I think, you know, podcasts were already on their way up, but I think radio is actually, you know, also on its way up. And then I, I think about like Facebook. So when people were like, oh, I'm done with Facebook. And now it's kind of like, oh, but we need to stay connected and, uh, you know, have all these conversations over social media and, and over video and whatnot. Um, and I am not someone who does a lot of phone calling, but I, I think I've been like on a phone or video call with someone at least every other day during the quarantine. Um, and so I, I feel like it's also really like opened up a lot of ways of communication. Um, that it is so interesting to see how it might continue on beyond that. Um, and also just like the amount of innovation that I've seen uh, happening through different art forms. Um, one of my like favorite shows to date was like using Zoom and like literally like used all of the features from breakout rooms to uh, drawing on your screen to reactions to like put together a really interactive show. Um, and I think like there's just so much going on out there that is really exciting, but that would have never really happened because it wouldn't have been forced to happen. Um, and so I think we're all kind of like adapting to this. And I, I think there's really so much exciting things um, in in the art world that are forming and, and developing through these new media or old media. Yeah, I think that's completely true. And it really like has kind of underscored the the importance of uh, the arts for me. Um, I think I've spent a lot of time in the last few years just kind of being like, what's the point? Like, I I don't know, I like music a lot. I like uh, weird music, you know, I like all these kinds of things, but sort of what does it do for us? And, uh, you know, now that 
everybody or at least a lot of people are, you know, isolated and not in contact with each other in kind of your usual like geographical way, the uh, importance of art or music or anything that can kind of give you a connection to somebody is like very apparent. And so that's been a helpful reminder. Quarantina is also for me, it, like it's great to see the ways artists are adapting because artists are just like the most adaptable, always working with super limited means uh, and always cracking everything open. But but it's really interesting also to me, I, I feel like my relationship with art has been reframed by quarantine, um, particularly music in just like my listening habits have shifted so drastically. I now have more time to actually commit to listening and not like listening while cooking or listening while writing or listening while doing something else. Like I can just sit and, and really take in a, a full album. Um, and also just noticing that what I'm listening to has changed in a lot of ways. I've been diving a lot into like a lot of field recording stuff. Uh, and I think there's, there's an element of that yearning to be outside, uh, and, um, in there, but also it with the the sort of deeper listening practices that that I feel like I've been developing, suddenly you can like inhabit more formless forms of music, I guess, in a way that is a lot harder to access when you know you're living in a city and running around all the time and working and whatnot. So you were saying earlier that you just hope that people kind of take a moment to uh, really deliberately like re-examine their listening habits and kind of the the uh, impetus behind those uh is that like kind of your major uh call to action for your audience or is there more in there from real deep radio not to say that that's not enough i think that's great yeah um you, you know well i don't know that's a good question um i think that's a big part of it but but i think it connects to everything yeah i think like in general the the things that have defined real deep radio for us thus far have been a sense of comfort and companionship, I guess, for for us and all of our friends who we share music with. Yeah, more the, the call to action element, I guess, has, has really been that idea of because we've been so music-based thus far, our focus has really been on highlighting parts of the music world, I guess, that like we feel maybe don't get enough credit or just like labels and artists. The only call to action that we really have thus far is support the artists that... Uh, you really care about the ones that you listen to a lot because even though streaming is, you know, a, a imperfect, but like one of the best ways that artists are getting revenue these days, that revenue is like so negligible now that uh, tours are canceled for the indefinite future. So if there's anything, yeah, I want to impart in terms of action to listeners, it's just uh, think about your listening habits the artists that have been valuable to you, whose work has been really valuable to you and throw them a few bucks. I mean, I definitely during these Bandcamp days have just been going through like streaming histories and like download histories and just seeing like what stuff I listen to the most, things that I maybe have listened to like hundreds of times already, but never ended up paying for, uh, definitely going back and, and making up for that. Um, one quick question that I think we've usually already asked by this point, um, why the name Real Deep Radio? Shoot, why the re name Real Deep Radio? You were the one who pitched it, I think, Kevin. <laughs> I did, yeah, I just picked it, but I don't know why. Um, I feel like it's just kind of an inside joke. I'm always talking about uh, 
art as being either real deep or fake deep. Uh, so I think it was just sort of a joke in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I when you pitched, when you pitched that, I feel like I, I had thrown out, what about real deep fake radio? Because it is technically fake radio. It's on the internet. But uh, having deep fake in our name, I, you know, you worry that you might be courting the conspiracy theory crowd, uh, <laughs> which isn't necessarily what we want to do. Or just not really our target audience. They're, they're, they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Until somebody p- pitches a conspiracy theory show to us. Yeah, I was going to say, we should get like Coast to Coast AM to do a show. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything uh, particularly real deep behind our name. Yeah, but I do think something that's been true for everyone who's done programming thus far is there is care and a depth of knowledge, I think. Um, it's been great in particular to have like friends who run labels and stuff and who are really tapped into um, artist networks to like go on because they really can like illuminate things in some ways that I feel like I personally can't being, you know, I've absorbed a lot of live music and like read a lot, but like, you know, I, I have not been on a, a tour or anything like that. I have not like lived that lifestyle, been fully immersed in it. So yeah, that's been a really great thing. And I think maybe... That's our like sort of uh, reverse engineering of why Real Deep Radio is called Real Deep Radio. That's my yeah. <laughs> uh, my reverse engineering anyway. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think, uh, yeah, just the level of like care and sincerity that goes into what people are doing is real deep to me. Awesome. Um, well, our last question uh, usually takes a little bit of a different form around uh, your highbrow and lowbrow inspirations. Since we're kind of in the middle of this quarantine, what I'm curious about is what song or songs are just on repeat in your head? What are you like actively listening to in a constant stream 24 hours a day? honestly been jumping around like a lot kind of I feel like I've gone through several phases already um I've been listening a lot to an artist uh named Claire Rousset she's put out like I don't know how many albums this year she's put out and a huge amount of music already this year um she's a improviser and percussionist and works a lot with like um sort of very close and like intimate and like almost household sounds. Um, And also we'll use recordings of her talking and her friends talking and like sort of weaves this whole thing with memory and place and location. And I feel like that's been uh, very important for me uh, being sort of so much in one location. Um, And yeah, like the spatiality of her music has been, very important i've also been listening to just like graham parsons i don't have as much to say about him except that he's good <laughs> always reliable an artist that i've been listening to a lot is uh, a guy named paul d marinas who uh was involved in sort of a community of composers based around like the music program at mills college uh back when robert ashley uh was running it um and recently a lot of Paul DeMarinus's early work has been reissued or just like really all of his work um, reissued by a great label called Black Truffle. Um, They put out an amazing retrospective of his stuff called Songs Without Throats last year. And they just put out uh, this giant or this crazy collaborative album called She's More Wild 
that he had done with a bunch of artists uh, who were all at Mills College um, back in the 80s, a piece that was part performance art, part music. I think they premiered it at the kitchen back in the day, but it had never been released before widely and just came out just last month. And that has been on constant repeat for me. Really just like funny, strange, playful, and absolutely out there experimental music, uh, incredible electronics and really funny storytelling built into it all. Great. Well, thank you both so much uh, for joining us for this episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. Uh, You can find Fringe Arts on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram and download the Fringe Arts app or visit fringearts.com. To everyone on the call and to all of our listeners at home, stay safe, stay well, and stay positive.